You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome, Sid Talk. You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? You must be talking to me, because there really is no one else here. Does anyone else know what that is? Besides us. <laughs> is it the taxi driver? Yes. The taxi driver? I'm sure everybody knows what that is. I mean, it's one no, of the most I famous bet you're, I bet that's not right. I bet a lot of people have heard it, but then you say, well, what's that from? And they'd be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not the taxi driver. It's taxi driver. Correct. That's what your old parents would say. The taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we saw that one when we were 12 years old. Yeah. Really? Do you think that? <laughs> it's not that Don't do the math on that. What year is it? <laughs> this is not the before the end of the show discussion, by the way. It has nothing to do with anything that's been happening in the last half an hour. No. Just funny. Funny as heck. We were talking about Michael Bay, but that will be about part of the movie. So we'll just go straight into the movie. Aye. It's Saturday, September the 23rd. That is not correct. <laughs> it's Saturday, September the 30th. This is after the show. Number four. She does travel, doesn't she? And 98. This is a movie review show where we review a movie. And this week we are looking at Transformers The Last Night, a.k.a. Transformers 5. It's a 2017 movie. It's released on Blu-ray on September the 26th. So you can pick this one up now. It's rated PG-13. From our friends at Paramount, who did supply us with a copy for review. And Sid Talk... Thank you, Paramount. ...will give you the synopsis of Transformers The Last Night. Sid Talk's not giving you a synopsis of a Transformers movie. There's big robots in outer space and humans. And a night. <laughs> a last night. Well, somehow we've woven it all together, yes. Yeah, so, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's Transformers, people. You don't need me to tell you what it's about. If you do, then you either need to go watch it or just listen to a different podcast. <laughs> All right, so we're at um, we are in 2017, and we're at the fifth installment of the Transformers, um, which started ten years ago. Um, started with is the, that all? Wow! With the Witwicky saga, which lasted for three films, and then this Marky Mark version was is the is the this. The last film and this one. Sure, he loves that. And now we're on to... That we can't let it go. (laughs) So we're on to the fifth movie already. And if you've seen any of the Transformers movies, you'll know what to expect from this movie. Because they are... I I do feel if you were to watch all five in a row, your brain would just melt and come out of your head, come out of your ears. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Imagine watching all five in a row, like a marathon of this. I'm imagining it. It's not pretty. You know Leo from Twin Peaks when he's in the chair and there's drool coming out? I believe <laughs> yeah. you would look like that at the end. <laughs> Funny that that's your reference, but I get it. <laughs> um, but anyway, Transformers The Last Night. I do like the Transformers movies. They are, they are, I've just been, we've just been discussing how um, super dumb. dumb Transformer movies are. Like, they, there's two sides for me. I really liked Transformers when I was a kid. So I have the Transformers, you know, I know who all the Transformers are. And these movies have Transformers in them. And, you know, technically these movies with uh, the CGI and just how they bring them to life, they are amazing. I mean, you're literally watching some Transformers run around the screen. You don't question them that they are not actually there. The CG is just top-notch. But then there's, like, the human element to these movies, which is so... It's like Michael Bay's blueprint of a movie in every single one. <laughs> you know? His formula. Replace Witwicky with Mikey Mark. Replace Megan Fox with Laura Haddock. Put in somebody like Anthony Hopkins, who's like a, you know, a... Respectable. Strong, respected character. There's your respectable element. Yeah. 
throw in a kid in this one for no apparent reason. And... But really, we enjoyed it. So we're going to say a lot of... I'm going to say a lot of negative things because it's just so stupid I can barely even remember half of it. But maybe that makes me stupid. But uh, watching it, I'm having a great time and I'm just like marveling at the what it looks like and the concept. I mean, the idea of this, you know, mechanical world coming, crashing into ours or whatever. I'm, I'm totally science fiction person, so I dig it. Right. So I'm happy to watch it. And the dumbest things I can, it's that thing about balance. The balance is tipped toward, wow, look at that. And then over here is they're like, oh my god, don't look at that, don't listen to that, don't pay attention to this scene because they're act- they're the oh what they're saying is so dumb, their plan is so dumb. They've been talking to Rick Grimes because their plans are just bad. Just go along for the ride. There's also um in all, not just this movie but all Michael Bay films, there's also huge and this movie is really guilty of this one, huge exposition dumps. And in this movie, it is in the middle of the movie, <laughs> where it's all action-packed and everything. And then it stops for a little while, while Anthony Hopkins explains everything to you. <laughs> yeah. While he's walking along and the other characters are following him. And it just seems to like it's, it seems to be like, well, this movie has a complicated plot, but we'll just not have it in like two-thirds of the movie. And here it all is right now. And you're, you're like <laughs> yeah. looking at the screen and you're going, oh, I can't, don't think I can comprehend it. It's too much stuff all at once. And then when he's gone over it all, you're like, I, I don't think I'm 100% on board with what is happening because he just went through so much stuff. I don't, I can't get my head around it. But okay, back to <laughs> dumbness. We're going to have a fight. <laughs> like, yeah. like what he just said, basically, all that backstory doesn't really matter because we're going to have two robots fight each other now. Right? So this movie... But it does, because then you're, like, let down some of the time. You know, that's my problem. It's, like, disappointing so much. And then it's really fun, and then it's like, oh. And then it's really fun, and then it's like, oh. Yeah, I was never disappointed by any of the action scenes, because they are always, like, exciting and always inventive as well, you know, like, the way things happen. They don't always look great, though, as yeah. as proven in this one. So, unfortunately... One of my favourite parts was the chase through London. I thought it was really in the yeah. sports cars. It it looked like a real chase through London in sports cars, which I know is really super difficult to pull off because London doesn't really close for you. But they managed to make it look like a fully functional, operational London with sports cars and looked cars... pretty European, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really like that, and that wasn't necessarily like a huge Transformers moment. It was just a car chase, really. But um, all the action scenes I really liked. I liked the setup for it. I liked the setup for the what is happening in this movie, as in spoilers. <laughs> there is Cybertron up there, where the Transformers came from, and there is Earth, and the the peril here. And I said to you, it's similar to Armageddon. Sure. That this, well, it's not the same as in a rock's going to hit us, but a rock is coming to us. And <laughs> a then planet. It going to it's kill not us. a rock. It's a planet. Yeah, it's a whole. It's the biggest rock. Spoiler. But it come. You know, it's coming to feed off us, repair itself, and leave us for dead. Now that is a cool concept. It is. And visually, the way it looks is really cool too. You know, when it comes into the atmosphere and puts its Mm-hmm. Puts its planet. I didn't understand tentacles. why it had to do the scrapey thing, and then I was like, right, well, for it to get close enough for her to do that thing, yeah, it had to get close enough for all of its dangly bits to uh, impact the Earth. Which again, we have to remember, millions of people are dying. Yeah, in the course of this whole thing, always in Michael Bay films, <laughs> and you... there's just this like still sort of a cheeky, you know. Yeah. Well, forget everybody else who's dying. Just focus on our four heroes or four main characters is how Michael Bay kind of operates. Even in Pearl Harbor, when it's a real event and loads of people are dying, we're still looking, we're just looking at Mr. Um, Batman. (laughs) As long as Batman's okay, everything's good. So, yeah, that's kind of the way Michael Bay operates. But, like I say, it's fun. It has, I think the special effects are fantastic. Some, Some of them are just like, 
holy crap, this look like Michael Bay. I know this cost a lot of money. This movie, you can tell it cost a lot of money when you're looking at it. Like every single thing. What I said to you, even if he's just looking at two people talking outside, he always makes sure it looks really good. Like mm-hmm. the sun is in the right place. They've waited till the very specific time to make it look cool. You know when he's in the junkyard at the beginning and sat on top of the roof and yeah, junkyard looks, looks pretty cool. Yeah, and that's not really CG stuff. It's just he knows how to make. I mean, Michael Bay used to make music videos, and making music videos is all about making everything look cool and your singer looking great. See, some and, could say like me that I would do with less of that if you if that means you're giving me more quality dialogue a little bit doesn't even have to be great i'm not asking for rocket science here i'm not asking for like deep and weird you know philosophical shit i'm talking about like anything other than two people thrown together flirting and talking about being on a date oh my god i want to reach through the screen and smack them i want to smack the writers straight through the scene like are you kidding me like are you kidding me can we not have a grown-up thing Without a 12-year-old adolescent, like, oh, I hope they go on a date. Which it is, just is like, oh. Which is what I said to you about what is wrong with the Transformer movies is they're made... Well, there are audiences for Transformers. There are children who like the toys and like the Transformers. And there are men my age who <laughs> were brought up with Transformers who like the Transformers. So... What you can see with these movies is they try to construct a movie that appeals to men of my age with the sexy woman and the cool hero. Does it appeal to you, your age person? Not to me particularly, because it's the the you know the story isn't. I like more dramery type stories, but I can see you know lowest common denominator MTV type thing. So that's how he does it. And then there's also the bit that's aimed at kids, which is the toys, the Transformers in this case, which have to be made into toys and then sold to kids. And they're a bit cheeky. That's very cynical of you. <laughs> well, that's, that is what this is, really, right? Yes. And then you've got this line in the middle, which I, I was talking about earlier, with Pixar have this line. So if you watch the movie Cars, they're... If you were a 45-year-old man and you took your 8-year-old son or daughter or both to watch Cars, there are actual jokes in there that you will get as an adult and kids won't even notice are there. And there are funny things for kids that you might gloss over you because you're not down with the kids, so to say. (laughs) But these movies, Transformers, there's a line in the middle and this movie is a very prime example of it. Prime example of it. Got it. Of where the adult version of Transformers and the kid version of Transformers meet. And it's it's not right, because you have a cool character. There's Cogsworth, is this new character here, which I really like. He's, a, he's basically a butler. He's kind of like um, Batman's butler, but robotic version. They call it what it is. He's a C-3PO knockoff. He's also that, and they do call him that. And that <laughs> In is fact, really... his middle his middle circle thing is... I was like, whoa, And that, that is, is really funny when they actually mention that. I liked that. But then there's a... You know, and he's a, he's a British character. Posh butler. You know, he's very posh when he talks, and he's very civilized, but he's also got this anger inside him. But then there's a part where he's driving a car... And this is very specific. You know, kids yep. are going to love Cogsworth. They're going to love him, right? He's the character they love. And then there's a part where he's driving a car. He's driving the car. And that rap song, which is, Yo, bitch, get out the way. He starts to sing that while he's driving the car as a joke. And as a, it's a Fast and the Furious. Hey, Fast and the Furious. You know, if you watch Fast and the Furious, this is funny. But it doesn't work because kids shouldn't, you know, in my opinion... Little kids who are into the Transformers shouldn't be coming out of the theater going, hey, dad, bitch, get out of the way, you know? Yep. Like, because I heard that, and that seems right, because Cogworth says it. That doesn't seem right. And then for adults, it's also a bit stupid. So the line where... Yeah, they, who are they playing to there in that little bit? That's what I wondered. It's a bit... Like I said, like... Is it just Michael Bay? He finds that funny? He la- When you see him behind the scenes, he's always giggling and Michael at Bay everything they do. You know what I'm saying? Does, does he 
when his children watch this <laughs> and there's that bit where they say bitch and stuff. Is it because he says it and it's naughty and you're like, oh, he said a swear word. I mean, I don't know. Because I, I don't know. It doesn't it isn't classy or anything. And I think one of our issues is as movie watchers, we're not necessarily escapists. You and die. We don't watch movies to disappear, like escape as in reality sucks so bad. I just want a movie to be dumb and like dummy me down and take away all thought we're not like that i like to get i mean i'm like i said i'm sci-fi and i'm a zombie freak so those are things that are not realistic it's not like i'm watching a zombie movie to be like intellectual or to fully escape i like something smart and something gross and something you know stimulating that's what i think it is it's not stimulating to have this really ingenious robot guy who's kind of short. He's not really built to be, you know, f- like a six-foot man. He's about four foot high, which I think is how they might have got away with him not being C-3PO, possibly. Right. Um, and he doesn't transform like, into I'm a I'm totally into that. But then don't this make him, make him be super posh to where he can't even, like, he's... But he's doing all these crazy, like, ninja moves and stuff and, like, fighting, but constantly holding on to his... Like a C-3PO attitude. That would have been funnier. Yeah. And it's not overthinking. It's just he doesn't need to be low class to be funny. And it's not clever. None of that. So it takes me out. If I am trying to just get lost in this weird world that someone's created where there's robots, you know, coming at us and everything. I'm going along for it. And then boom. I'm like, ugh, you're trying too hard to be cool. And then they do it. Perfectly right in some cases. There's uh, Isabella, the the girl character in this. She has a little robot made out of a Vespa, and he is perfect for a kid character. Yeah, he's, he's cute. not offensive. He's cute. He's he's kind of like their version of R two D two. Let's let's you know. He's, not really. He's no, a tin he's not. Can, lo- tin can kind of. Yeah, but he's not like the other one. It's not as close. No, I don't mean the same. I mean he's that character. He's like if Cogsworth is C three PO. He's the character that says nothing. But we'll save the day for you. Yeah. Right? But he's perfect. He's a perfect little character. But if you notice, even when he's going into action, he set, he makes this little sound that makes it sound like, and pardon my language, he's like, Mock you. Yeah. So even that, it's like, that's not that's not cute. Now, I don't know if he was saying that. It was totally that. That's mm. why I was like, whoa. Because it was very clear. But, Very clear. It, but then the Transformers themselves, again, this time, uh, it's not quite as bad as that third Transformers film where there was literally, um, like, slave kind of <laughs> black characters, which was weird, like, very weird. It was like a blackface kind of comedy. It was very uh, uncomfortable, but I don't... I mean, it was for me just because I'm like, where are you going with this? What right. is the point? If you have a point... And you're trying to make a character that fits into a thing that needs to make, I don't know, that makes sense to be that way, then I'm all for it. But when you're just doing it because you're like, oh my god, this would be hilarious, without anything else. No, it's not funny. It's just, it's like really, again, low class. So in this movie, we carry over the Transformers who were the heroes in the last movie with the Dino Bots. So we carry over, like, the ninja um, kind of samurai guy, who I think was really cool. There's the one played by Jason Statham, and there's the one... They weren't really that cool, let's be Yeah, honest. but they're the, they're the heroes of the last <laughs> movie. I, yeah. I, I like that they brought them back, The you know, the big... See, they made a fat joke about the big Transformer. Yeah, there's um, several fat jokes that are like, ugh, seriously, are we still on that? But yes, all that stuff is the bad part of Transformers. I don't know who's responsible for all that part. It's get it's less so in this movie, I thought, a little bit less, but it's still there, and when it does happen, you're like, ugh. Like, why is that happening? Yeah, yeah. it's not like we're super sensitive. We're not being like, oh, no. don't say anything funny about anybody ever, but there's mean-spiritedness, and then there's, like, dumb mean-spiritedness, where you're not even... Making I mean, a point of any kind, that's my problem. It really lets the whole thing down, I think. And if I was Hasbro and they came to me with this, I, I, you know, as a kid's toy manufacturer, and this is representative of our brand, I would personally, not even being a prude or anything, say, mm-hmm. remove these ridiculous stereotypes, 
Remove these stupid fat jokes and remove, you know, the really sexist kind oh, of God, yeah. ogling of young women kind of thing, which has happened since the very first one, right? Um, and then when you remove that stuff, you've got a cool sci-fi story. Very know? cool. It's, like, amazing. It's, yeah. like, one of my favorite stories, really, is the, the the whole of it. Yeah, you've got a really cool story if you remove the, to my tastes, dumb stuff. I mean, to other people, that just might be the best part about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you're an idiot if if you think that. But you might like that slapsticky comedy stuff. I think it goes down to that escapism thing. Like, if yeah. that's your thing, like, you just want to escape. Like, people lately have complained about the politics in American football, right? Well, I don't want to be reminded of politics when I'm sitting down to watch a football game. You've ruined football for me. And that's the person who literally is doing that activity. Yeah. To completely remove themselves from their daily life. Doesn't think about anything else when the football's on. Right. And that's fine. The world disappears. And that's cool. I can dig that. I, I think that I have a few things. I don't know. I don't have anything that emulates that for me. Because I'm not that... I don't have that bad of a life. You know what I mean? I don't need to escape all the stuff. And so... That's where I think the the personality thing comes in. Well, I just want to ignore everything and like... You know, have a good time and drink my beer and watch a movie. That's cool. But for the rest of us, it's like, oh, it makes me feel dumber after I've watched it. That makes me sound really snobby, but I can't help it. But on the good side of this movie, like last week when we watched Pirates of the Caribbean, and I said, watching it, that that wasn't particularly dumb. It was just kind of like, oh, I feel like I've seen it all before. Yeah. But It was kind of dumb. But on the, yeah, but not like stupid, like, uh, it was nothing... Because it's Disney, there's nothing kind of offensive about it. It's just, it just felt, the problem with another Pirates movie is it felt like you've seen a Pirates movie and there's another one. Like, it's just another one, right? And it is the same with Transformers. You feel like, well, I've seen four of these already and this is very similar to those. You know, you know what you're going to get. But... Which is fine as well, because like I said, I'm a zombie person. Right. I know what zombie movies are going to go. There's going to be like zombie movies at you. Yeah, the head, the head, the end of the world is nigh, and the zombies are taking over, and it's some sort of virus or something that we've caused ourselves. I mean, it's not like a lot of variation in the whole zombie world, and yet I'm happy to go back over and over and over just because of those slight variations. But um, this film, aside from that, like I, it, the fun factor of it is there. Yeah, it, it's just like this. Really, it's so. It sounds and looks so awesome. It, you know, it fulfills that blockbuster kind of thing for me. I have to just look past those glaring things. (laughs) Now, as far as the plot goes for this movie, I kind of liked what they did. Like, they, it starts with King Arthur. You know, in King Arthur times, uh, what was the year? 16. Well, Middle Ages, it said, didn't it? And Dark it, Ages, Middle Ages, I forget. It literally starts with a battle with back in King Arthur's times and Merlin shows up and the Transformers show up. I like how you talk, You guys talk about King Arthur like he was real, real. Not real. Which in fact may not be totally real. The times are real, the character is not. But it starts off then and there's a cool battle at the beginning. And I've got to say it was really cool. There was balls of fire flying through the air. That was that was really cool. Yeah. It, it was not... I was like, wow. I didn't expect this from a Transformers movie. It's like I'm watching King Arthur or Gladiator or something. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then a Transformer shows up. And it's now a sci-fi version of a King Arthur movie. And wow, that's really cool. And then it cuts to modern times and... um. Anthony Hopkins gives us a really long <laughs> talk over the, tells us what's happened since, you know, and the world's kind of in shit after the last movie. You get to see some of the, you know, shit that happened to the world after that. And then it... Well, this, it gives some context. The world is shitty now because after how many years, he doesn't say, the that Transformer 
aliens keep coming to Earth, and they're not Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime is missing in action. Bumblebee is in hiding. So there's no good robots around, or Transformers, whatever they're called, Autobots, to protect everybody. So it's just these... Decepticons. Rogue... It's not even just Decepticons, is it? It sounds like it's just all of them. Any of them are showing up. Yeah, just... Blowing shit up and, and making waste to things and becoming like thugs to like the guy in cuba i mean that was so so stupid i was like oh my god are you kidding me so that they guy actually shit say like, in Ugh. this movie uh the world's kind of gone to shit except in cuba because castro lets them all hang out there <laughs> everything's fine yeah <laughs> actually castro's dead right but in this you... movie it doesn't really <laughs> show it doesn't really follow no. history but um yeah I, I like the idea of all that. And I like the idea in the middle of this movie that they tie all the movies together and human history together with the Transformers. You know, they, they do it's this. It's not a new idea. It's not a new idea, but I do like what it was. I was like, wow, the writers are actually onto something here. Once, once it got to the middle part, I was like, this is cool. I mean, we see the family trees. We see. How Bumblebee was actually involved in World War Two. We see those Middle Ages stuff. You know, <laughs> it it's the Transformers have always been with us and always helping us. I really like that. I liked all that whole idea of that. It isn't again, it's not capitalized on enough, right? It's I agree. It's like If you're gonna do it, just do it. Right. Don't just, like, tease us and then move on to the dumb stuff. Yeah, it, it does move on then. And it then... does look expensive. If you're, if they did, they even did a scene from World War II where they're, like, showing yeah. you. But still, the teaser is, like, you know. No, there's a whole separate movie, uh, I believe. And the next movie is a spin-off movie from Transformers called Bumblebee, which might show Bumblebee throughout the years, right? So we might follow him. During his various missions and, you know, how he saves the world over and over again. Because Bumblebee, actually, I know there was a bit in this movie where they were going to try and get Bumblebee's real voice back. I was like, no, don't get his real voice back. Because what's cool about Bumblebee is he uses quotes from movies to talk, right? Exactly. And I always want to guess what he's, what movie those are all from. Uh, so it wouldn't be much fun if he just had a voice. Um, but Bumblebee... Because of this law that they insert in the middle of this movie, Bumblebee becomes a very important character, almost as important as Optimus, I think. Like, he, he's an important yeah, absolutely. Transformer, you know. And Optimus is missing the most of this movie, so if you've come to this movie for Optimus Prime, you don't get him very much, do you? You don't... No, but what you get's good. You get a really cool Optimus mm -hmm. Prime moment towards the end. But My favorite line, but am I going to say it? Yeah. I was like, oh, that did, that was like, oh, yeah, that was, the whole movie was worth it. Yeah, and like, they, they even <laughs> say, don't they? Oh, yep. uh, didn't it? It's, yeah, I love it when he shows up, what somebody yep. says. And don't we, say it, yeah, don't say yeah, it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, you do get a little bit of Optimus, but it's not Optimus movie. You don't see Optimus much. Can you say Optimus a few more times? Optimus. <laughs> you, uh, you really get to see the other bunch, including it's Bumble. not Yeah, it's not really centered on anyone. Fully. No. Not really. Even the kid's not in it fully. Mark's not in it. Well, Mark. Like, he's my friend. Uh, Marky Mark. Um, nobody's just, like, the whole of it. Not even Anthony Hopkins. I mean, he's in it, but yeah. it's not like the whole thing is him. So, that's kind of interesting. So, as far as the way the story goes, I actually kind of liked it. I kind of liked the ending, and I kind of liked how it opens for something else. I like the bad baddie in this. You know, back, o back mm -hmm. at home on Cybertron. She's, yeah. she's really cool. Uh, really good design and everything. I like all that. So, you know, putting it alongside all the other Transformers movies, I think it had one of the most interesting stories. Like, if you strip away all the dummy parts, the actual... Like the whole point of all of this aggro, yeah, giving as us the kids the like threats. to say, yeah. make, is more... Oh, okay. Now I get it. So moving on to the cast, um, Mark Wahlberg plays Cade Yeager. What do you think of Mark Wahlberg? Boring. I can't help it. I find, I can actually say I found almost everybody boring except a few of the Autobots and the Decepticons. They're not boring. Nobody really kind of tripped my trigger at all. I, I, the young woman, the, so Mark Wahlberg, 
I swear sometimes he's just like, oh, and now we need to get in the truck and go. I'm not saying he's ever been super classy or anything or great, but I was like, oh, God. Would you uh, prefer Shia LaBeouf to be back? Uh, no, that's not a choice I would make. I'm just saying he does not do much for me. I mean, actually, Shia LaBeouf, like him or don't like him, he did have a personality and a sense of humor. and a, whereas, It's a bit too high energy. Yeah, a little bit twitchy. Yeah. Whereas Mark Wahlberg's is a bit more kind of a cool guy. Kind of, it's supposed to just be a family man, but he's more of a cool guy, right? Trying to be a cool guy. True. I like. I do like it at the beginning where he threatens to punch a kid in the face. Yes. <laughs> I felt like they were trying to do a little bit of Stranger Things there. Did I you feel, get that feeling? <laughs> absolutely. I was like... I was and, like, ugh. And these are ethnically chosen kids, too. Like I know. We got, we got one of each race. It was kind of... I was like, ooh, this seems... Probably not even. We're, we're just guessing, but it seemed very intentional. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, so, yeah, Matt Wahlberg, for me, I do like him, but he... I prefer him in, like, we watched that movie recently about the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. I like him in something like that better than this because it's like his brain fell out of his head in this and <laughs> he is just a shell of a man running around. And, oh, never mind that we have to see his stomach because he shoves that protein powder down all our throats now by yeah. being in, like, loads of grocery stores and, you know, the, health food stores. The, the uh, obligatory scene where he shows his abs in this movie... I thought that a sachet of his protein powder was going to fall out of his pocket. <laughs> I did feel that way. Land on the floor, and then the camera looked straight at it, and then kind of in wink at the screen or something. It <laughs> felt like that to me. And th- we're talking about that. There is a product placement in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like in the last movie where Marky Mark crashed a car, slid out of the car, Landed next to a Bud Light wagon that had tipped up and took a refreshing drink of Bud Light. Yeah. In this movie, there's a similar scene where... And I'm not saying that's... It's not against the rules or anything. I don't have a problem with product placement. I get it. You know, they give you money and to see a beer that doesn't exist in somebody's hand seems a little bit like, eh, you know, kind of cheap and weird. So I'm not complaining about product placement, but... Oh, it's, it's like just, he had a meeting and they were all a bunch of bros hanging out and go, yeah, man, wouldn't this be cool if we did it like this? Yeah, man, we'll do it. Awesome, awesome. It's so overt. That, and, yeah. And the logo of Bud Light is right there in front of the screen. If you was watching this movie in 3D, I swear it would be popping out onto your lap. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, it's right there. And and it doesn't end with that on product placement. The cars are quite obviously product placement too, but I don't mind that because it fits. Oh, yeah, the cars, I don't even notice, so. Yeah. So, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins plays Sir Edmund Burton. What do you think of Anthony? Again, kind of boring. I'm not going to juice it up for anybody. It's kind of boring. He They zoom in real close on his wrinkly old face, and he says a bunch of shit, and he acts a little wacky, because they told him, I guess he's got, like, dementia, or his, his line of people who've been protecting this thing all these hundreds, thousands, 1,600 years are all a little bit weird and crazy. And so he's a little bit crazy, but then he's not, and then he is, and I do. I re- didn't hold it in high esteem. I really, really like his voiceovers on movies. I, I like listening to his voice. So the whole voiceover at the beginning when he's talking... I find even that the, though mo- it's, the worst part. Even though it's Exposition City, I do like how he sounds <laughs> in a voiceover. Let's all go down to Exposition City. So, yeah, I, and as far as his character in the movie, he is, like I say, exposition dump. That's what he is. As The second he appears, and throughout his appearances, he is just telling the screen, which is you, the audience, but he's actually telling the two uh, characters, but really he's telling us what the plot is. <laughs> he's like, yeah. here's the plot. And uh, you probably haven't got the plot so far because we've mostly been dumb, so here it all is. And he's delivering that, and that's all he does. Josh Dumal plays the, comes back again as Colonel Lennox. What do you think of him? Neutral. Again, in this movie, he's not even used, really, is he? No. He's, he's cool-looking. His hair sticks up. <laughs> he wears his uniform and walks, walks. He shoots some things. He barely talks to anybody. 
there's not any dialogue really with him much. Um, he's underutilized. He was actually all right in the last movie. I liked him. Laura Haddock plays Vivian Wembley. Couldn't get any any more British uh, name. <laughs> oh yeah, they make a lot of um, British British jokes. Yeah. Now Laura Haddock is Megan Fox two point zero in my opinion. Oh, actually, yeah, because... We're way past it. Yeah, yeah. But it's quite clear what Mr. Um, Bay likes in in his women. And this is another (laughs) one of them. (laughs) Um, She's a beautiful-looking stick, right? Well, no, she's... She's a normal girl, normal young lady. She doesn't have nothing wrong with her. But, I mean, he over-sexualizes her. In fact... Oversexualizes uh, her so much, but they acknowledge it by saying she's wearing a stripper dress. I know. They're not well, like pretending. So that's it isn't. fine. Yeah. Well, it's not fine, <laughs> but it, like they're at least saying like, "Why is she wearing a stripper dress?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's what I was thinking." Yeah, I I was actually they. Well, but then they put her in like an 1870s adventurer's outfit or something. It was really weird, like try, super saggy they, pants. I think they tried to Laura Croft her up at the end. Though. It looked like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought I was watching. It's a new Tomb Raider movie at one point when she was coming down the rope into the... Uh, yep, it was yeah, pretty... <laughs> felt Tomb Raider-ish. Um, but the problem is with uh, her, I think, at the beginning, when she, you know she's so over-sexualized and she's got high heels and she's got a really tight dress <laughs> and she's wandering through the the big castle that Anthony Hopkins works at uh, lives at, she's walking through the grass with the high heels on and I was like... It just seems really... And they're kind of ogling her. And and then I was like, well, she's just going to be the Megan Fox, isn't she? Like, she's going to be sexy all she's the time. She's a little time. better than that, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She actually got better. Towards the end, they unsexualized her. And she they focused more on... She's actually intelligent. Because she is, right? She's a... What is she? She's a professor of history. Right. So they actually focus more on that than what she looked like towards the end. Yeah. So I was kind of proud of Michael Bay to back off on the... Um, I'll always remember the first scene, when you first see Ma- um, Megan Fox in the first Transformers movie, when she's leaning over that motorcycle. And so you look, just can't get that out of your mind. I cannot, because it was so... I was like, oh my God. It was literally like you were watching a music video, and that was the singer. Yeah. The over-sexual. <laughs> but um, this girl... She, the problem with her is she doesn't leave an impression on me at all. Like, she's interchangeable. Like, next time it could be somebody else. I guess that says something because you remember Megan Fox, but you don't remember her. And I remember Rosie Huntington-Whiteley as well, and she was only in one movie. But this girl just seems like them again. Like, can we go for something different? You know? Well... No. It works, though. They're making a lot of money. I mean, let's True. be really hardcore about this. Let's be straight up. They're not doing this to be an indie movie to express their artistic intentions from the world or still sell any kind of big idea. They're just doing it to make money and a spectacle. It's like a traveling dog and pony show. So I get that. It's just that I wish they didn't know that that would make them a lot of money. That's what's kind of, ugh, you know? Yeah. So Laura Haddock... She's forgettable to me, even though she had some moments later on. And I know Matt Wahlberg has dropped out of the Transformers franchise now. So the relationship that we're trying to kind of start between them both doesn't really matter overall, does it? No. Because obviously she... When the next one, they will have gone off to do a thing, and now we'll have new people, and they always... always They got writers. They can... Make it work. Stanley Tucci doesn't reprise his role as what he normally is. He's he's Merlin in this movie. What did you think? Uh, I was really super disappointed because I like Stanley Tucci. And I mean, the fact the- that they made him like a fucking idiot, it just drove me crazy. And right off the bat with this amazing, amazing battle, he's going up this massive hill on like a quest. He's Merlin. He's Merlin. And he's a f- they make him an idiot and I'm, I'm not arguing with the fact that you can make that character into like a stumbling bumbling idiot but it was really 
ugh. I mean, I was just like, are you kidding me? You're you're even giving affectations of the last six months of bullshit social media behaviors, how people pick up on little memes and behaviors and like eye movements and words that they use. It's like, ugh. All that was missing, actually, from the scene with Merlin when he's on the horse going in between the trees was him not to be on a horse and a man in front of him clopping two, yeah. <laughs> two, two coconut things together, which Monty Python famously did. Because it felt like Monty Python had arrived and they were directing the movie. I was like, <laughs> "This is what is this comedy Merlin? Because this is exactly stupid. It was comedy Merlin. Yeah. And it was like, if you put that in Monty Python, I've been all over. I've been right, like, that's exactly. perfect. In fact, you probably wasn't wacky enough, but. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was all about, but uh, it... It marred what was an awesome action sequence at the beginning. Absolutely. Because it didn't make any sense, because the action sequence, if you subtract Merlin from it, was very serious, and it was a proper gruesome battle of two, you know, there was was horses getting felled, there was blood on the armor and everything, it was serious, and then there was silly Merlin who comes. It It was unfortunate. And then finally I put down Isabella Mona, who plays Isabella. With a Z. She was uh, cute, but like you said, they even tried to make her, a 14-year-old girl, look a little too... Yeah, don't sexualize ...grown-up girl. Not her body, but just the whole, like... He has a thing... When we were talking about David Lynch lately, with the thing he had for teenage girls in Twin Peaks, and it's kind of the same where you're... I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It just makes you, like... <sighs> yeah, that uh, whole opening sequence with Isabella... And when she meets the boys who, like, the Stranger Things boys, I'll call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, even them lot are, like, ogling her. Yeah, they're exactly. they're kids, like, the the kids and they're like, Ooh. And they made them all really crap as unfortunate. Yeah. Well, luckily, they weren't in it much. <laughs> yeah. They but were like us. I like this Isabella character. Um, she, you know, she's going to grow up, obviously. And she could fit into this Transformers sure. thing perfectly, you know. Because we'll see her a couple of years older in the next one, you know it. It makes sense, but yeah, they do. They are a bit weird. I mean, she had lipstick on, and yeah, yeah, she was a child. <laughs> Maybe we're just we're not the fit for these, except we are because I love. I would hope nobody's the fit for like looking at a <laughs> like a. How old is she? Like fourteen year old, thirteen year old. Maybe? In the movie, she's fourteen. Right, with lipstick on and going and her kind of looking hot, like they're trying to emulate the shots of the Laura Haddock. <laughs> like, oh, look, she's so sexy. Her hair's in her face. and But she's a child. Yeah, they're not making her look like a girl. No. They're trying to make her look like a teen pop like, star. Like, just on the verge of being the uh, Laura Haddock character. Like, a couple more years and she'll be the same. That's kind of how it is. So directed by Michael Bay. You all know Michael Bay. Directed Transformers, uh, The Rock, Armageddon. Pearl Harbor. It's not going to come as any surprise. Uh, <laughs> they all fit together. Yeah. That 48, what, what was it? 48 hours? 40, 40 something hours? 22 hours? You know, the Benghazi movie, which was really good. I liked it. He also did um, Pain and Gain. Yeah, Pain and Gain. So a lot of different movies. Um, he is known. People say Michael Bay is the man who does explosions. I can't disagree with that. He does do explosions always. They always look good, the explosions. If you want explosions, I don't think there's any of his films that doesn't have explosions. Bad Boys also. So um, what do you think of Michael Bay? It's a very distinct thing. It's very specific, and Mm. I would like, I like, I think he has, you know, he got to take the bad with the good. Yeah. I like the spectacle of it. I don't like the idiocy of it. Yeah, the idiocy comes with the technical... Technically, things will always look good. He doesn't settle, I don't think, for shitty-looking shots like some directors do. He, uh, as far as we could tell from the extras, he is the man with the hands on the camera, not anybody else. He wants to be the one. He looks like he is all-controlling of these projects, right? He's like, um, I know what I want, and I will be there to make sure I get what I want. Mm. You know, that's what ends up on the screen. So, um, yeah, you, you know, Michael Bay's a, he's definitely a peanut butter type director. Love it or hate him. I hear peanut people. Peanut butter. Yeah, some people love it. Some people hate it. Hmm. I, um, 
see him, I see people dissing him all the time, like, oh, anything by Michael Bay is stupid and worthless. But no, there is a, there is a category of cinema, the, the big summer blockbuster type movie that Michael Bay does better than most people, I think. And the dumb parts and all that stuff. You know, Steven Spielberg's like another guy who does amazing blockbuster movies. And Steven Spielberg tends to, doesn't go for the dumb stuff, does he? He kind of goes for a good story. I mean, he has that sensibility at times. I think that he can be goofed out, you know. Yeah, but not quite as lowbrow. And as, he supports those movies because I mean, he's, he's a producer on a lot of the dummy kind of movies. But He's a producer on this one. There actually. you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Do you remember? He was on The Extras. True. Um, so, yeah, Michael Bay, yeah, you'll love him or you hate him or you'll be in between, but you can't argue that he does deliver a spectacle on the screen uh, and often he delivers a lackluster script story. But uh, sometimes the just watching the robots fight is enough for me. <laughs> but I do wish sometimes that it was just a little bit better story-wise. So extras on this uh, 4K disc, um, there are quite a few. Actually, because Michael Bay is so wants his movie to look the best, and it does all. It, this movie looks awesome. You got to admit, right? It, it, yep. There's never a dull. It's not a murky looking in the dark movie. Everything is right there. It's daylight. Everything's lit well. This looks amazing on it. Um, it keeps a whole disc for the movie, so there's no extras on the first disc. And if you go to the second disc, the extras are on that one. The extras are Merging Mythologies, the, the Transformers History, Climbing the Ranks Military Training, The Royal Treatment Transformers in the UK, Alien Landscape, Cybertron, and a few other things. I have but, a feeling you're going to be watching them all. Yeah, I always do with these movies. Yeah, and a portion of this movie is in the UK, which if the Transformers has never visited the UK. It's that very movie version of the UK. <laughs> yeah. It's very like, it's just in this one little touristy area that everybody knows, so they definitely know it's the UK. Yeah, oh, and also, big yeah, and also visit Stonehenge. Everybody knows Stonehenge. Stonehenge looked weird. Yeah, I did. I've been I've been to Stonehenge, and I've obviously seen the real Stonehenge on film quite a lot of times. This version, Michael Bay's version of Stonehenge, is a vast, open, rolling fields all around <laughs> it. Whereas the real Stonehenge has roads and like shops and all kinds of shit. Right, very there. close to it. It's weird. There's nothing in this movie. Once you get to Stonehenge, it's like you're in the middle of some other country, like a whole big, massive. It's a bit weird for me. Like I was like, that's not Stonehenge that we know. But there again, in this universe, <laughs> Stonehenge gets its own island or something. I don't know. <laughs> But it was a bit weird. So, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of extras. There's no commentary by Michael Bay, which is odd. I guess, if you think about it, if in the future, if however many years it's, and shit's been destroyed, maybe the roads and the shops have been destroyed. Maybe. You see? You gotta go with it. The ge the geographical nature of it seemed wrong <laughs> to me. But, um, hey, who am I to argue? Maybe he's never been there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually filmed some of it there, interestingly. I was just reading. And uh, they filmed it at Stonehenge. And he put in a... You have to apply to the council to film there, so they obviously got that. But he he got rejected about making an explosion at Stonehenge. Yeah, duh. So they had to do a CG explosion instead. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Michael Bay's like, you know that like ancient thing you've got over there? Is no, it he's right like this. Blow it up? I'm Michael Bay. Just yeah. let me do whatever I want. Yeah, you know that ancient... You know that irreplaceable thing over there? I want to do an explosion. <laughs> it might... It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> We've got all the safety guys, they've got goggles and stuff, we're good, it's good. So, uh, in conclusion of uh, Transformers The Last Night. I enjoyed it, I had a good time, I wish it wasn't so dumb. Yeah, I wish it wasn't so dumb, I do like watching the robots fight. I would like to see just a supercut of the robots fighting and uh, pull all the humans out of it. In fact, that's what I said about the last Transformers movie. <laughs> Remove the humans and just have the Transformers. It would be... No, it'd probably still be done. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, you'll um, hear from us when Bumblebee comes out, I guess. We'll talk about that one. So, um, thanks to Paramount. And uh, if you want to enter a contest to win a copy of, a digital copy of Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales, go to aschoolie.com. You could win a copy. Um, and, moving on, the movie running. 
movie recommendations this week. Ah, recommendations is not easy to say. Recommendations, recommendations, recommendations. So I am going on this <laughs> topic of Transformers The Last Night with my favorite, well, may- maybe, Michael Bay movie, Armageddon. There are portions of this movie where I felt like I was watching Armageddon. And you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Where the names of the robots come up on the screen. Absolutely. Yeah, he's... I, I think it's an homage to his own movie. Which <laughs> <It> is classy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a whole section of this movie that feels like you're watching Armageddon, but with the Transformers. Um, so Armageddon. It is a, you need to remind... Maybe people don't know this. You love Armageddon. Yeah. I'm, like, love but it. How do I describe it? It is so dumb. <laughs> it's one of the dumbest things. But you will defend it. I mean, hardcore, because you've always loved it. There's something very entertaining about it. And while you're watching it, and there are dumb lines, and there's dumb sexist stuff, and there's something about it that is entertaining. I feel the threat on our Earth, and then we do really dumb shit, like send some people to go and drill it. It's, It's just completely out. It's ridiculous, right? But fun. And my second one is my favorite Marky Mark film, and that's Boogie Nights. Or Boogie Nights, as I call it. Um, it's it's so good. Such a good performance. And it's, you know, it's him. It's kind of funny, but it's also kind of dr- very dramatic at the same time. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Boogie Nights. But if you're offended by penises, do not watch it. Because <laughs> there are some. So, Sid Talk, what is your uh, recommendation? My recommendations, I'm going to give you these from, um, you know, movies I have been watching lately in my quest to do my Halloween thingy every year, and this past week I watched a few, good and bad, really only one or two that were pretty good. Now, Patchwork, I really enjoyed. Again, it's a little bit dumb, it's a little bit wacky, it's got elements of that vibe of reanimator or even Evil Dead, you know, sort of a little bit like wacka 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 do at times. But it's pretty charming. I really enjoyed it. So patchwork. Right. Sort of a modern day Frankenstein-ish type of thing, but with young ladies. And then the other one, which is not so good, but I hung in there and watched it all, is called Rekill. Now, it is a zombie-ish movie. You know, we've got the the reends, as they call them. They've been reanimated, these people, humans, most people, actually, I think, in this one. And it's also done as some found footage and like, it's like, it's made as if you're watching a channel of like, after this big zombie apocalypse things has happened, now there's a channel for it all, the outbreak channel. And you, a little segment of the movie, it's like you're watching a show called, kind of like cops, but you're following this elite team around who go into the worst parts of the cities and, you know, kill, re-kill the re-ans. It's just crappy. That's crappy. And then you have these commercials interspersed, which is actually the better part of it because it just, they're so ridiculous. But then you think that could be a real commercial. Some of the commercials are just two people, basically naked, really sexual, strawberry coming out of the woman's mouth, woman coming up from under the covers as if she's just given a blowjob. And the commercial just says, sex, do it. And then it's like sponsored by the Alliance to Repopulate America, you know, like, but as ridiculous as it is, I was thinking that's totally a possibility, you know, because look at the way the world is, right? Look at the way people are. So as much as not high quality as it was, it was still quite fun and I enjoyed it. But patchwork would be my choice of the week. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Nice work. So, um, moving on to games and A-Scully stuff, I have played a one game this week called Cuphead. (laughs) Um, It is a... How would you explain this game? It's old-timey. 1930s Disney animation. Think of Steamboat Willie. Yep. And think of 1980s uh, side-scrolling kind of platformy games like uh, Contra or Super Mario even. And mix those two things together. And make it really, really, really hard, just for good measure. Like, so hard that you possibly don't have the skills to do any of it. Most of it. So, 
you probably saw me play it yesterday, and I yep. died. And well, I, I mostly died. heard you playing it. Yeah. <laughs> I died a lot on that first level. I kept dying, and I was like, wow, this is really hard. I don't even think I'll ever get off the first level. And then something clicked. I got off the first level, and then I managed to get through, like, maybe six levels after that. Just... You get an upgrade after... When you um, do that very first level, it gives you some money to go and buy something from the store. And I bought, like, a homing gun instead of one that you had to aim. So it homes, but it's less powerful, but it still is easier for me to use. So I managed to get through. So what it is, is there are two types of levels. One is the kind of standard walk from um, left to right and shoot everything along the way, like uh, Contra. So you're, like, shooting all the different characters, and you're trying to stay alive before you get to the end. And the other type of level is the boss levels, which are, there's a big boss, and you've got to take it down. And it usually has three phases that it goes through. So one of them is a vegetable in a garden. What does he start off as? He's a uh, carrot. Don't know, I wasn't watching. And then he turns into an onion, and then he's crying, and then you got to dodge everything. You know, he turns into three different things, usually. And then you uh, beat it. Now, none of these levels are particularly easy. In fact, it's meant to be a very, very difficult game. You know, for those type of people who like to master something, you know, keep trying and trying and trying and doing it. But the visual style is what makes sets it apart from everything else. It is literally, it's all hand-drawn. So we watched an interview, actually, this afternoon with the lady who drew all the artwork. And... Every single thing you see was drawn on a piece of paper and then scanned into the computer, so nothing was computer-generated. And the the way it's animated is in that sti- the style of Steamboat Willie, where you've they basically like draw the same thing, you know, twenty four times, but move it slightly on each, and then like a flip book, mm-hmm. and you flip it, it kind of animates. So the whole thing looks like that. Everything, everything on the screen, not just the foreground or the character the background it's quite the thing to look at i think it there's nothing that has looked like this ever right i've never seen except for steamboat willie except for um, the movie steamboat willie or those early disney animations so if you are into that style just go on youtube and take a quick glance at the trailer for cuphead and when you see those visuals if that's for you this game might be it might be for you but let me say again it's very, very difficult. Most people will probably not be able to do the first level. If you're not video game savvy and understand how games kind of work and how to memorize patterns to kill bosses, you're probably not going to get very far. Uh, there is this kind of... For every level, there's an easy mode and a medium mode. The easy mode, it makes the boss slightly easier to kill like if it has three forms it only has two on the easy mode and on the normal mode it's the the full boss but you don't get the reward for the level on the easy mode so you can play the easy mode to practice but you do not get any money to buy any new stuff unless you do the normal mode so i learned that pretty quickly so i've just started ignoring the easy mode and just doing the normal mode sometimes it takes me an hour to do one level. So that's the kind of difficulty we're talking about. Uh, this upcoming week, Forza Motorsport 7 comes out on Tuesday, so I'll talk about that next week. It's the latest, you know, Forza has become a yearly thing now from Microsoft. And now it's on the PC. Um, it's fun to play on the PC. You can play it in 4K if you want. So that's Forza 7, and it's out this week. Uh, what's Fenguli? Fenguli is actually over, probably. No, no, Silver 9. Oh, yeah. Well, what's Spanguli? Spanguli is a horror host, horror, who does a two-hour presentation of an old movie crammed into his little show where he does bad jokes and dresses up in a funny costume. And he's quite charming and sweet, and yet, unfortunately, right now he's doing the Universal movies, which we've seen many times. And on a different night, I might be interested to sit and watch him. Like Mummy, The Mummy, The Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, all those. I might watch Dracula if he does it in the next few weeks. But tonight is The Wolfman, which we have seen. And so we probably won't be watching it. No, because it's actually halfway through already. <laughs> true. <laughs> so Very I will, true. I will say we will not be watching it. So what's for dinner? Tonight's going to be Jimmy John's. 
Nice. Just to break it to you gently, you've discovered that you like the wheat bread. I do, actually. They do. It's not a baguette or whatever you call it. Mm-mm. A, a, a sub. It's a actual two slices of bread, but they're really nice. It's like Correct. A, a wheat bread. And what is your advice before we leave this podcast? Um, I don't know how else to say it, except, you know, in life, it's like you're in a pressure cooker. If you're, not everyone feels this way, maybe. I don't know, maybe everybody does. But you feel like the world is pushing on you to to shove it, the people that you meet. It's not the world. The world doesn't give a shit. It's the people. Try to shove their own little bits and pieces into your brain and into the way you are and how you are and who you are and how you think and how you act and the rituals that you do and how you philosophize about life or not. They want to take that away or cram something new into you. And you feel like you're in sort of your own little bubble in your head and the pressure just like pushing on it. And I just think it's very easy to to let to give in to that. And either feel completely despondent about it all and unfortunately be miserable in life and maybe even want your life to end and feel like I just can't cope. I can't cope. You know, why can't I just live my fucking life and let people get away from me? Like, whatever. Or you give in and you start, like, assimilating and, and somewhere inside of you, you disappear and you become what they want or what they need. And I just think... What's the benefit of that? It's easier. But just don't give in to the pressure. It's very difficult sometimes. People will not like you. Who gives a shit? The the universe doesn't give a shit if I have 50 friends or two friends or a million friends. Or if the whole world knows who I am. Humanity will not last forever. We have not been here forever. Your pleasing everyone by pretending to go along with their politics or their religion or their ideas or the way they want you to dress or the art that you like or you don't tell them that you watch zombie movies because they think you're weird why not who gives a shit now if you're in a dangerous situation where you're in danger of a person that's different i'm just talking about in life Where at the office, you don't want people to look at you weird or not talk about you behind your back or not ignore you at lunchtime or whatever. Why not? Like, I cannot identify with this. I can't identify with walking into a room and having this feeling like, oh, I really, really hope everybody likes me and everybody approves of everything I'm saying and everything I'm doing. And, oh, I don't want to make a fool of myself. And I just don't get it. I personally don't have that. Now, I can gauge a situation. Where I'm not going to go in swearing and this and that and <laughs> certain people. And that's not being fake, but it's like I understand different dynamics of different situations. But if someone asks me a question about an idea or a belief or my perspective on something, I will not sugarcoat it. I will not lie. I will not just say, oh, well, yeah, whatever, whatever, and agree. I just don't. Because if you decide you don't like me because we disagree on an idea, which is... The connection between a synopsis in your brain and the amount of information in your brain that's just firing off electricity and it happens to work a certain way in my brain and different in yours and leads us to different choices in life or whatever. If you dislike me because of that, just an idea, not about an action. I'm not saying, you know, you don't approve if I say whatever. Like, I don't have a gun. I'm not a big gun fan, but I think everyone has the right to own a gun if they want. You might be different because you have a different culture than I do, but our difference in that, me not having a gun doesn't mean I think you shouldn't have a gun, right? So if you hear that I don't have a gun, that I don't eat meat anymore, that I do not approve of our president's behavior and most of how he hex right now, which would be Donald Trump, if you're watching, if you're listening to this 20 years from now, That doesn't mean anything to you. It shouldn't impact you at all. It shouldn't make you judge me differently or not want to be my friend or not want to have a discussion with me. That's down to you. So I don't give a shit. If you walk away going, I'm never talking to her again because she don't have a gun or 
I, would, I shouldn't use that accent, but that's kind of where I'm from. <laughs> I'll be honest. That's how it sounds where I'm from. Like, and I've been called an idiot and I've been called a bullshitter and I've been called all kinds of names, like really bad names for not going along with the crowd. And I don't care. Like when I die, whenever, however it happens, none of those people are going with me. Unless we're in some horrible big tragedy, but I'm just saying nobody's going to be there to be at the end of my life together. So why do I give a shit? It doesn't impact me. Sure. And I just say, don't give in. If it feels the pressure, just believe me when I say, don't give in to it. If you're young, if you're old, if you're middle age, just don't. Don't let it crush you because it's not worth it. It's like they're nothing. Those people are nothing. In your life, they're really nothing. Because the whole of your life is about more than making sure that that person is your little friend. All right. Nicely said. <laughs> End so, of speech. Next week's uh, Blu-ray review, by the way, is Baby Driver, which is Edgar Wright's new movie. The uh, Edgar Wright, you know, Shaun of the Dead. and um, Now, Shaun of the Dead. Scott, there's a good one that balances out the comedy and the gruesomeness. And, and Scott Pilgrim, on. one of my favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, Baby Driver by Edgar Wright next week. Um Let's uh, say that we have websites, aschoolie.com and sitter.com. We have websites. You can actually go to them, look at them, read them, listen to music on them. My site doesn't get updated very often, so I don't know if I'd promote it, but you're welcome to. You you know, you're welcome to. You can go to Twitter <laughs> and Facebook uh, to see us. Uh, you can go to Google Play and listen to the podcast. You can go to the iTunes Music Store if you're one of those Apple people and listen to it on there. Or you can go to the RSS feed, aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe. And we also have a new TuneIn app, which uh, is on the main front page. You can just click and you can actually listen to all of our podcasts through it. So we're actually on TuneIn Radio. If you have a Amazon Echo, you can say, what do you say? Well, don't say it. You say Alexa. <laughs> we'll say it quiet so she doesn't hear us. Don't say it. Alexa, She's always listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn. And then she will play you the latest episode. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolyatascoolyat.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And um, I was going to say stay classy Michael Bay, but maybe get a bit more classy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to say thank for yourself because if you don't do it, yeah, somebody's doing it for you. 